Greetings, friends and brethren. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you with exceedingly great joy today. We are going to actually start chapter 11 in 1 Corinthians. We are getting close. Let's see. We are getting close to being done. We've got a few more chapters all the way to 16. So we have five more chapters to cover. And um, I know I sometimes I wonder if this is annoying to people that, you know, we just exegete, go script line by line. But I just felt this was an important chapter for us to hit. Uh, I think I will probably, when we get to chapter, chapter 13, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, which is considered the love chapter, I'll probably skip that chapter because we've talked about it before and um, may even skip 14 because I've discussed most of that before as well. And we'll just jump to 15, do 16, and then we will be done with 1 Corinthians and I don't have any plans at this point to go to Second Corinthians, so uh, we'll see what the Lord has up his sleeve for us. So I just bless you in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for this listening audience, and I thank you, Father, that they have a heart to know you. I thank you, Father, that they have a heart to know your word, to pursue you with all of their heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. And Lord, to learn the ways of the scriptures, Lord, we thank you for your holy scriptures. We thank you that you provided them for us as instruction and guidance to teach and help us um, as a compass in our life. So Lord, we just bless you today as we bring to you the scriptures from 1 Corinthians 11. And thank you, Father, for giving each of our listeners revelation and understanding about a difficult topic. And I just bless each one right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, for this divine opportunity to speak to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, this chapter, at least the first half of 1 Corinthians 11, is about head coverings. So let's just jump in there, and we're going to start with um, verse 1 and read through verse 16. Paul writes, Imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ. Now, actually, I think that specific scripture should have been part of chapter 10 because it really um, doesn't fit with where he then starts to go. But I didn't translate this, so... Um, I just have to go with what the translator has here. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. For that is one and the same as if her head were 
shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn, shorn or shaved, let her be covered. For man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor is woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman, but all things are from God. Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. Well, believe it or not, there are churches today. I actually know of one, know of a church in the local area that uh, it's a rule that the women have to wear. Um, I call it a doily because that's what it looks like to me. But they wear doilies on their head. The women are not allowed to wear slacks. They have to wear a skirt or a dress. And so I find that like so ridiculous. Um, it's not even funny. Now, I don't dishonor them. And I would not do that. Certainly, I've been in their presence and they're lovely people. But I'm just saying it is bondage. And that's not what this scripture means. And so I'm going to share that with you today. We're going to talk about that. Um, I think Paul is pretty clear when he says in verse 3 that the head of every man is Christ. That certainly makes sense. And that the head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. So there's a um, there's a line of... of uh, if you want to call it demarcation, we see God at the head, we see Christ, we see man, then we see woman. So there's a an order, and it's God's order. So Paul's just talking about God's order. Christ's head is God, man's head is Christ, woman's head is man. Okay. And then verse 4 says, Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. I guess in our culture, you might look at that like uh, if somebody walked into church with a ball cap on their head. Most men today in our culture don't even wear hats. Uh, they wear ball caps. Young, young guys, a lot of young guys wear ball caps. But 
wearing hats has is pretty passe um, in the time of my father-in-law who was born in 1900 uh, it was very in style to wear for the men to wear a hat but that has long passed so we live in a whole different culture today and this I'm not saying I'm not saying what Paul has written is wrong at all I'm saying this is the culture we are in right now it wouldn't be it wouldn't be appropriate for a man with a ball cap to walk in a church with his ball cap on now some men keep a ball cap on all the time I know of a few because they're bald and they don't like being bald although in our culture today bald is uh, considered uh, the style for men so many men are shaving their head and that's supposedly the in look but some men really don't like being bald and so they wear a ball cap all the time and um, I you know I don't really have a problem with it I just you know I you have to understand the context here the of the culture and so um, Paul's just saying you know if they have if they wear a hat and they're prophesying in the in the body of Christ it, it, it dishonors his head um, a woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dis- dishonors her head now that's a little weird um, saying that her head is uncovered I I don't know many women that would be going around at that time shaving their heads because it says for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved um, and you and it kind of implies that the woman is supposed to have something on her head but if you then go down to verse 15 it says but if a woman has long hair it's a glory to her for her hair is given to her for a covering so I think I personally think that this is confusing let's just say it's confusing because up here he says that if a woman is not covered let her uh, he says but every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved so that implies that there's supposed to be something on her head on her hair over her hair but if you read verse 15 he's saying for her hair is given to her as a covering so the implication there is the hair is the covering and being uncovered would be shaved so I find that a little confusing I'm not sure um, I'm just not sure what Paul's trying trying to get across there Um, now he says uh, for if a woman is not covered let her also be shorn now there he's saying the implication is if she's not wearing a covering on her head let her hair hair be cut but if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or have her hair cut or shaved let her be covered okay um from that i would take this 
You know, there are women that are undergoing chemo. They have no hair. They've lost their hair. Women today do not shave their heads. So the only way a woman is going to be without hair is if she's undergoing some chemo or a type of medication that will cause her to lose her hair. And then, you know, it would be proper to maybe put a hat on or some kind of covering on her head. I don't know. But again, in the context of our culture today, I personally don't think it matters one way or the other. Um, You know, some women may not have uh, money to buy a wig or some kind of hairpiece thing. And um, so what are they going to do? Put a, put a, um, you know, winter hat on their head in the middle of the summer? I don't know. I just, I, I find these scriptures very um, confusing myself. But I think that the best way to approach this is just from a logical standpoint. So, um, you know, and then Paul kind of elucidates here for man is not from woman, but the woman is from the man, nor is man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Now, is that symbol of authority her hair or is that symbol a hat? I don't know. And honestly, I don't know that any theologian can make much more sense of this than what I'm sharing with you. Because this is translated from the Greek. So we're assuming the translation is as correct as can be. Um, you know, there, and then he says... Um, Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman nor nor woman independent of man in the Lord. I'm not even sure why that specific scripture is inserted in the middle of that, because to me, to me, it doesn't make any sense. And, um, you know, you know, as much as listening to me as you if you've listened to me for any length of time, I believe in the authoritative infallible word of god it's all god breathed it's all inspired by the holy spirit um i'm i'm just not sure about this so you know maybe um when i meet paul face to face i can i can ask him to clear up this situation but in the meantime this is not a big deal okay this isn't these things do not fall in the category of am I sinning or am I not sinning? Do I have to confess this sin or do what, you know, I don't put it in that category. Um, I just think we are living in 2019. We are not living in the year. Um, we're not living 2000 years ago. That's an awful long time for things to change and cultures to change. So, for as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman, but all things are from God. Okay, Um, we get that, we understand that. Judge among yourselves, is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Well, I have to look at it this way. I pray to God every day. I don't have a hat on my head. I don't put a doily on my head. I have a house church. People don't come with doilies on their head. They don't come with the ladies don't come wearing hats and we pray and we prophesy and, um, 
you know, he, he Paul says in verse 5, every woman who prays or prophesies, we are not wearing head coverings. So we're going to just assume here the best that we can with what we've got that our hair is our covering because he says that in verse 15. It's a glory to her. I don't have long hair. I haven't had long hair since college. So you're talking 40 some years. I haven't had long hair. I'm not going to have long hair. And so, um, but Paul's saying the long hair is a glory to her. Okay. I've never shaved my head. I don't intend to shave my head. Um, he's saying her hair is given to her for a covering. I'm a, I'm just saying here we are today. Women don't shave their heads. We don't have, we don't wear doilies on our head. We don't wear hats on our head to pray or prophesy, period. So this is almost, um, I, I would almost have to say a little out of date. Um, Paul does say in verse 16, but if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. He's, I read that as, look, if people are going to have an issue about it 2,000 years ago, he's saying there's not, there, we're not having a custom. In other words, we're not laying down a rule as to how this is. And so I guess my question would be why these scriptures why this was inserted into the word of god i'm not sure i'm not a theologian i'm make let me make that real clear i am not a theologian i don't know and i've never had an opportunity or honor to discuss it with the theologian so i'm just going to leave it for what it is and just say here we are, 2019, women don't wear hats and doilies on their head to pray or prophesy. Um, yes, we agree with the scripture where Paul says, you know, the man is our head um, and the man's head is Christ and Christ's head is God. That's good. We believe that order. It sounds good. Um, so we're going to just leave it at that. Now, let's look at verses 17 and I don't think we, we will be able to finish this, but um, we'll start at verse 17, chapter 11. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. Oh, boy, what a way to start. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. Verse 23, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Okay, let's just stop there. And Paul really has an issue with this church. We know from the time we started the book of 1 Corinthians, we knew that this was a very difficult church because they were wealthy. They were um, into all kind of deplorable sins, idolatry, all kind of sexual sin. And even early on, even early on in the first in the book of 1 Corinthians, there were there were divisions then. And he had to address things then. And here we are. And we have to, you know, we don't, there's not a timeline here. We don't know how long in between chapters this was written. Um, it sounds as though it was written in phases. Because um, he's saying now in giving instructions to you, I don't, I don't praise you. Since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. I mean, that's a very strong statement. And he's really chastising them. He says, when you come together as a church, I, I'm being told, I hear this. There are divisions among you. And he says, and I believe it. And then he says, you come together for the Lord's Supper. And what do you do? You're eating the Lord's Supper. In other words, the Lord's Supper was set out, apparently, in preparation for taking the Lord's Supper. And the people were eating, um, eating, it would have been matzah. They're drinking the wine and they're getting drunk. (coughs) Excuse me. And he's like, what? See that? That's, That's Paul's word there. What? Exclamation point. Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? In other words, if if you're hungry before you come to the house of God, go eat, have dinner, have something to drink before you come. But don't start eating the Lord's Supper. And he says, you know, do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? And Paul says, I do not praise you. In other words, I am not happy with you. And this is really shameful that you're doing this, getting drunk and eating the, the, um, the bread that's going to be consecrated for the Lord's table. So uh, <laughs> Paul is really irritated with these people, as you can imagine. And Uh, So he really has to, they're out of, they're out of line again, and he's got to set them straight again. And then he takes the effort to talk about how do we take of the Lord's Supper in verses 27 through 34. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many asleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. 
But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. Okie dokie. When Paul's going to show up here, he's going to set more things in order because they are out of order. But what is most important in this set of scriptures is this. Whoever eats of this bread and drinks of this cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood. What is Paul talking about? He is talking about this that we come before the Lord to take of the Lord's Supper, to do this in remembrance of him, taking of the cup and taking of the bread, while we have issues still going on in our life, such as we have offense at a brother and sister, we have unforgiveness in our heart, we have bitterness in our heart, uh, we have um, divisions among us, Uh, We have sins that we haven't confessed. When you come before the Lord to take of the Lord's Supper, there needs to be a preparation time. There needs to be a time of preparing yourself, of confessing your sin, of realizing and recognizing that you have um, not been walking according to the scriptures and uh, so there's there needs to be a time of repentance so when you if you are going to take of the lord's supper there has to be a time of repentance where you come before the lord and you basically expose yourself to the lord like lord i have been so out of alignment here with you i have you know, said this, I've done this, I've, um, you know, I have not walked in the fruit of the Spirit, I have not been patient, I have not been kind, I have not been loving. Um, So we, but if we take of the Lord's Supper without a time of repentance, a time of reflection on sin in our life, then we are taking the Lord's Supper in an un worthy manner and when it says we will be be guilty of the body and blood of the lord we are um we're we're going to be judged and that's why paul says in verse 31 if we would judge ourselves we would not be judged and that's part of the whole thing with the lord's supper we have to judge ourselves we have to look at our life look at our behaviors, look at our thoughts, and see where, what, and when have we been displeasing to the Lord. So, um, you know, we will, we will take this up next week because we're out of time, and we will hit chapter 12 next week. Uh, We'll skip 13 and 14, and uh, in a few weeks we should be done with 1 Corinthians, but Anyway, you can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this podcast again. And if you would like to write me, you can reach me at Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. And if you would like to um, 
if you would like to um, contribute, I was looking for that word, contribute to this ministry, uh, or send a financial gift to this ministry, you can send it to Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. I look forward to being with you next week. This is Don Noble. Shalom, shalom. Peace be unto you.